The first reading for the resurrection of our Lord Chief Service is from the book of Job, the 19th chapter. Oh, that my words were written! Oh, that they were inscribed in a book, that they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever! For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 16th chapter. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, And they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb. For they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. 
Alleluia, Christ is risen. The passion of our Lord is filled with fear. The Pharisees and scribes fear the people, so they take Jesus at night. Judas fears his condemnation at the realization that he has sinned. The wife of Pontius Pilate fears that the death of a righteous man will cause misfortune. Pilate himself fears that leaving the righteous man alive will cause a tumult among the people. The repentant thief fears a death devoid of absolution and the presence of God. The conspirators fear further deception at the hands of the disciples and station guards at the tomb. The guards fear the presence of angels and become as dead men. Why the fear of a man without any comeliness or form? Why the fear of a supposed prophet? Why such fear of one who has done nothing but perform good works and wondrous signs? Why such fear of a dead man? The Pharisees say they fear the deceit of Jesus' disciples, hence the guards stationed at the tomb. But are they being truthful? Is it his disciples that they fear? Or do they fear that he could have been who or what he said he was? They fear that death may not be the end, and they know of no other thing to do but to kick against the goads and attempt to assert human wisdom over the working of God. Pilate himself is nervous with Jesus. He fears an innocent man, because pagan though he may be, he senses something great about Jesus. He cannot help it. His own wife experienced troubling visions. Jesus told him to his face, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. And from that time onward, the rattled man sought to release Jesus. When Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus asked for the body of Jesus, Pilate is stunned that Jesus has died so quickly. Why is he stunned? Why does he seek testimony from the centurion? What does he have to fear from a dead man? If Jesus is only a man, his words and his actions mean nothing. If Jesus is only a man, his promise to destroy and to rebuild the temple is an idle threat. If Jesus is only a man, his death is final. The tomb sealed is the tomb that remains as such. They fear the what if. What if Jesus was God? What does that mean for those who crucified him? The world fears Jesus even now, and it hates him because it fears. We hate this man and the myth that he rose from the dead. We hate this man for not letting us have our own way, for not letting us have our cake and eat it too. 
But what if he is true? The war between spirit and flesh rages. Its consequence is fear, and in fear, those who hate turn away. They choose not to believe in what they fear, burying their heads in the sand rather than looking. This is the way the world around you works. But fear is also the faith killer. See how the death of Christ brings fear even to those who followed him. The disciples fear being captured with Jesus, so they flee from the garden. The young man, once rich, but now having given everything to the poor, flees even without his garment out of fear. Peter fears admitting to association with Jesus and denies him three times. The faithful fear that Jesus was not who or what he said he was. The Christ is not supposed to die. He is supposed to save What is the world to do without the Christ? If he died, if he was buried and sealed within a tomb, it is the end. Were the faithful wrong in following Jesus? There is fear in the unknown and in the unexpected. Who thought that the Christ, the Messiah, would be killed and buried so unceremoniously? The confession of the disciples on the Emmaus Road is testament. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped, but in his death, we now fear that we were wrong. Faith in Christ is confused at his death because faith in him does not know what his death means until after the resurrection. It does not understand this resurrection is coming. This confused and fearful faith still desires to act, yet it does not know what to do because it is unable to process the reality that its object is gone. Nicodemus, despite his prior cowardice, coming to Jesus in secret out of fear, acts in this confused faith with Joseph of Arimathea. The object of their faith is dead, but faith must still act. So it seeks to care for the object, even in death. They place him in a tomb. They wrap him in linen. They slink away to hide from the Jews. It is all they are able to do. Likewise, the women who come to the tomb are sad and afraid. Faith's object is lost. They do not know what to do, but they know they need to do something. They seek to anoint the body of Jesus, not understanding that he has prepared for this death since his birth. In Bethlehem, as an infant, he received gifts of myrrh and incense, costly spices used for anointing the dead. In Jerusalem, the Blessed Virgin received words from the prophet Simeon that her son was to bring life in death. At the house of Simon the leper, Jesus was anointed with costly ointment, an act he himself confessed prepared him for burial. 
Now the news is that he is raised. And instead of joy, the immediate response is fear. What does it mean that this Christ has been raised from the dead? It is not a reanimation as in the case of Jairus' daughter or Lazarus. Jesus brought life back to them, but his own resurrection is far different. There is fear of the consequences of this resurrection, fear of retaliation from the religious elites or the Romans, fear that their testimony will not be heeded, and indeed fear that the weak faith of those who doubted will be met with harsh retribution. The sweet irony of all the fear is that Jesus' resurrection confirms and solidifies the victory on Calvary. And in this victory, won and confirmed, there can be no fear. Jesus is both God and man. He died and was raised. His resurrection means an end to death and everlasting life for all who are in him. What is there to fear? He has left the tomb empty. He has left the law toothless and impotent. He has left dead, dead. In Christ there can be only life. There is no need to fear a Lord whose love is so great that he dies for his disreputable children. There is no need to fear sacraments wherein the Lord is truly present, through which, in which, and by which the Lord performs salvific acts. There is no need to fear even death itself, because for you it now has no power. Faith continues to act, clinging fervently to its object in life and in death. Faith may not understand, and the heart may fear, but faith must always act drawing you to the source and to the object, burying him in a tomb or seeking to anoint him. Faith, even in fear, must be greater than fear because the object of faith is greater than the idols of fear. Heed the angel and his words as he speaks to you just as he spoke to those women. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. Faith now clings to this death and this resurrection without fear, understanding the fullness of their meaning through Christ and the teaching of his apostles. Do not fear, for Christ's tomb is your tomb, and it cannot hold either of you. Do not fear, for Christ's death is your death to sin and to self. Do not fear. For Christ's life is your life, and his love is yours to own, to receive, and to bask in eternally. Alleluia! Christ is risen. Amen.